anti-Semitism has been on the rise, and 25,000 people marched in New York City to protest it earlier this week. Does that help, or are we just trying to make ourselves feel better? I'm Scott Kahn, and this is The Orthodox Conundrum. This is The Orthodox Conundrum on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. I'm Scott Kahn. One of the biggest stories over the past month in the Jewish world has been the rise in anti-Semitic incidents, ranging from people yelling at Jews on the New York subways, to murder in a kosher market in Jersey City, to a machete-wielding anti-Semite going on a stabbing spree at a Hanukkah party in Muncie. 25,000 people marched to protest this obvious rise in anti-Semitism, And to find out more about both the march and the state of anti-Semitism in America, I spoke to Shira Hanau, a staff writer at the New York Jewish Week, who reports on Jewish politics, religion, and demographic changes. Her writing has also appeared in The Forward, Harvard Divinity Bulletin, and Columbia Journalism Review. She was named Rookie of the Year by the New York Press Association in 2018. Shira Hanau, thank you very much for joining me today on the Orthodox Conundrum. Thanks for inviting me. Before we get to the march itself, which took place this past Sunday, I want to ask you a few general questions about the rise in anti-Semitism. And I'm coming from a perspective of somebody living in Ramat Beit Shemesh, Israel. I obviously don't see what's going on on the ground in the United States and in New York in particular. So I want to ask you what trends you've seen. Is there actually more going on than what I've heard about in the news? So I'll say that there's an important distinction between what we know based on um, what's being reported in the news and what's being reported on social media. Um, We live in a time when social media makes it possible for us to know about every single incident, whether it's been verified and reported by journalists or it's just being posted about um, on Facebook or Twitter. I'm not sure that that's a good thing or not, that we actually know about every single thing, both from the, you know, from media and from social media. But I think that what we know is is basically what's out there, that there is an uptick in anti-Semitism. There are more incidents happening than in the last few years, and that we don't actually know exactly what is going on. We don't know exactly why it's happening, um, and we are not entirely clear on what can be done to stop it. Well, that raises an interesting question, because a lot of the incidents, I'm not talking about the violent incidents, I think those certainly are on the rise, but a lot of the filmed or, you know, people use their cameras on their phone to film people yelling at them on subways and the like. And the only reason we know about these incidents is because of social media. And suddenly someone yells at a Jew and tells them to get off the train. It goes viral. So is it possible that those have not risen at all? And simply for the first time, people are actually putting it up on social media, but it's no different than it was, say, 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah, I think it's important to treat all of these headlines with a little bit of skepticism meaning there are issues around reporting to the police even. Jews are more likely to report hate crimes to the police than, say, a black person is because Jews on the whole have better relationships with police in the United States than black Americans do. Um, So the fact that Jews are the, the victims of more reported hate crimes to the police partially might have something to do with the fact that we're a lot more likely to report them. Mm -hmm. And the fact that there are more hate crimes happening on the subway may also have something to do with the fact that we are seeing that they are happening more than we may be used to. At the same time, it does seem that there's a good amount of evidence to support the idea that there are just more hate crimes happening, not just to Jews, to everybody. Hate crimes are on the rise 
uh, for a whole a whole bunch of groups, not just Jews, um, and that there is something going on in this country and in New York City. Well, where do you think it originated? A lot of people will point to President Trump, and I've been very open on this podcast. I am not a fan of President Trump, but is President Trump a symptom, or is he actually the cause, or is it something completely not related to him? Uh, the answer, I think, is just that we don't know. Um, we might know in 50 years. We might know in 10 years. We might have better hindsight at the end of 2020, forgive the pun. But I think that the answer is that we just... You can't not say that pun. I mean, you have to. <laughs> you have to say the pun. Right. It's 2020. We're only a weekend. We're not tired of the pun. You only have one year to say it, so you may as well do it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that there's a case to be made that uh, the Trump era has given rise to more hate, more hate crimes. Um, and I think there's also a case to be made that the roots of this go deeper than um, than just the Trump era. And maybe it has more to do with what gave rise to Trump being elected as president. But there's a lot going on. And I think that really we just don't know yet. We don't have enough data. The answer to a lot of these questions may very well be you simply don't know. But from your perspective, do you think this is some sort of temporary challenge, a blip in history or more of a long term change in American attitudes that we're going to have to deal with this long into the future? I hate to sound like a broken record, but again, I think the answer is that we just don't know. I think that there are a lot of people who would say that the last 60 or so years of American Jewish history have been anomalous and that we got lucky that we had a long period of time in which Jews experienced little to no anti-Semitism and that now it's just we're going through a cycle that we've seen many times in Jewish history. Um, and there are others who would say that this is sort of beginning of the end of, of the good times in American Jewish history. I mean, but I think really anyone who tells you that they know where this is going is wrong. I mean, they're, they're lying. They don't know. Nobody can know because no one can really predict the future on this. That sort of relates to what a lot of people in Israel say, you know, oh, you know, Jews should move to Israel. And I'm certainly not going in that direction. I think that's somewhat offensive in some ways, even if on a religious level, that's really where I'm coming from. I understand that the answer isn't, well, y'all should just move to Israel. Life is a lot more complicated than that. But it leads up to the question about anti-Semitism and attitudes towards Israel. How much do you think that anti-Semitism is a function of people's attitude towards Israel, and how much might be the reverse? In other words, that people dislike Israel because of anti-Semitism. I guess I'm asking in terms of logical priority, which one would come first? Is it a dislike of Israel that leads to anti-Semitism, or anti-Semitism is the reason that Israel is so often singled out by people targeting Jews as OU Zionist? What's your feeling about that? So I think that with the recent wave of anti-Semitism, I don't think that there is much of a connection to Israel, or at least that there's not much evidence of a strong connection. Um, there are a lot of people who have been pointing to the recent, the very recent wave of the last two months or so to say, you know, the Jewish left, which had tried to put pin all of the blame on Trump and the alt-right and white supremacists, you're wrong. Really, this is coming from the left. And I don't think that's necessarily correct. I don't think that it's exactly accurate. The last wave of anti-Semitism that we've seen where some of the, per the perpetrators have been black, um, that's not evidence on its own of left-wing ideology, um, and it's not evidence of anti-Israel ideology. Someone being black doesn't make them left-wing. So with the attacks in Poway and Pittsburgh, um, there was very clear ideological intent, meaning the perpetrators of those shootings uh, left manifestos. They left a trail of their intent behind that showed why they were carrying out the attack, and the attack the reasons had to do with a right-wing anti-Semitic ideology. There's a lot of evidence to say that those attacks came from the right. When it comes to the attacks um, in Brooklyn in, in the last few months, it's not as clear that those are driven by ideology because the people who are committing them have not said, well, we think that 
Jews are terrible because they oppress Palestinians, therefore we hate them. That's not what's going on. Um, It's possible that it's happened in in isolated incidents, but it's not clear that there's this overwhelming left-wing ideology that is promoting anti-Semitism and leading to attacks on Jews. If it's not ideology, this might sound like a foolish question, but then what is it? In other words, when the right-wing alt-right or anti-immigrant groups are anti-Jewish, as evil as it is, it's coming from a certain way of thinking. But if, what, what does it mean that it's coming from nothing? What does that mean exactly? It's not a foolish question at all, because that's the whole crux of it right now. We just don't know. Uh, we don't know exactly where it's coming from. And that's why some of the suggestions for what we should actually be doing have felt kind of muddled or uh, like they're not doing enough because we, we don't know what we're trying to fight. So we don't really know how we're supposed to respond. Increasing security at schools is probably a good thing, but to some extent it's a band-aid because we don't actually know what we're fighting. There's been a tremendous amount of research into right-wing hate groups in recent years, in particular because of the the rise in right-wing hate during the Trump era. Um, there has not been a similar deep dive of research into what might be ca- causing anti-Semitism that's not coming from the right. Not to say that it is coming from the left definitively, but that's just not coming from that right-wing ideology. And so we don't really know. And that's why we just need to have more data. We need more data from the NYPD. We need more people to be researching this. We need to be able to do more reporting on it. Uh, We just need more information. Now, talking about from within the Jewish community itself, do you feel that the rise in anti-Semitism has affected Jewish support for Israel? In other words, are people now more reluctant to be seen as a Zionist or a supporter of what is often called a racist, anti-progressive state? Is that something which is happening in people's minds, that they don't want to be identified with Israel in such a way that is actually affecting support overall for the Jewish state? I'm not sure exactly. I think that it's possible that the fact that there are attacks happening in the United States now that sort of feel like reminiscent of attacks that have happened in Israel, meaning attacks in shuls like the attack in Harnok a few years ago. Right. Uh, sort of having this similar feeling, um, using a similar word, terror attacks. It's possible that some people would feel a little bit more of a kinship with, with Israeli Jews and sort of feel like, okay, we, we understand a little bit about what you've gone through. Beyond that, I don't think that there's necessarily a strong correlation between American Jewish feelings about Israel and anti-Semitism that's happening here. There will probably always be those who will say, well, anti-Semitism is happening here. We should just go to Israel or thank God we have Israel. And there will always be people who say, yes, there's anti-Semitism here, but Jews are also under attack in Israel. And that's not necessarily a safer place to be. At the same time, I've heard about college campuses where people who are identifiably Zionist are often denounced and they have a difficult time simply identifying as being pro-Israel because a lot of the time people are part of the progressive caucus and are supportive of what might be called left-wing causes. But once a person's identified as a pro-Israel individual, that person is canceled. He's negated when it comes to these other causes because Israel is considered fascist. So there's got to be some sort of connection in people's minds, just on at least on campus, between their attitudes towards Israel and the anti-Semitism that they might be experiencing. It might be expressed specifically as, you can't be a good person because you like Israel, which of course itself is a form of anti-Semitism. Sure. I mean, I think that there's no question that there is anti-Zionism that can cross over into being anti-Semitism. And that is definitely a phenomenon that happens on college campuses or in other anti-colonialist, like, left-wing spaces. But I'm not so sure that it's that connected to what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. There are waves of violent attacks. It's There's very... I, I can't think of a single incident of real violence by an anti-Zionist activist on a college campus in which Jewish Zionist students have been attacked 
there might be verbal insults, there might be um, shaming or alienation, but I'm not so sure that those can really be classified as the same kind of anti-Semitic incidents as uh, the violent attacks happening lately in Brooklyn and Muncie and Jersey City. I understand. Let's talk about the march that took place this past Sunday, the March Against Anti-Semitism in New York. What were some of your impressions of what the march was like? Um, Yeah, the march was really kind of a singular event. It's very rare for 25,000 Jews to assemble in New York City. Uh, It's rare for 25,000 Jews to agree on anything. That being said, I don't think there was actually as much agreement as you might expect. Really? um, Or maybe as little as you would expect. There was a sense of, I think, comfort and satisfaction from a lot of people seeing, okay, there are 25,000 people here. We, we are not alone. Um, I, you know, I might be reading the news about this and feeling really upset about it, reading it by myself, feeling kind of alone, and I'm not really alone. Here are all these other people who also feel proud of being Jewish and want to maintain their strong Jewish life in New York City. That being said, there was quite a bit of political disagreement there, I think. Um, you had groups from across the political spectrum, and you had lots of different signs representing that. There were supporters of Mayor Kahana, and there was Jewish Voice for Peace, and If Not Now, and lots of synagogues, Reform, Conservative, Orthodox, all, all kinds of people were there. And there were some occasional you know, altercations among marchers, not anything that I think that got you know, violent or out of hand. But there was, quite a, there was a very wide spectrum of Jewish New Yorkers. And... That was certainly reflected in the marchers. It was less reflected in the rally where there were a bunch of speakers at the end. Um, those were mostly speakers from the legacy organizations and, and not as much from you know the extreme left or extreme right. I see. You know, you said that this march helped people use the words comfort and satisfaction, which makes me wonder, does a march like this actually accomplish anything beyond providing some comfort to the marchers, which I don't want to negate. That's important. In different terms, let me say it like this. Are the people who need to be reached, the people who need to be told that anti-Semitism isn't acceptable, those people probably don't care about a march against anti-Semitism. So apart from feeling a sense of solidarity with other people, does this march actually do anything beyond simply making some noise, to be blunt about it? Right. I think that's always the question with almost any advocacy is, who are we really doing this for? Is it for ourselves or is it for somebody else? I think that this march certainly accomplished something for ourselves, which was to feel better. We, we might have felt a little bit better afterwards. Um, and it, it sort of gives people something to do so they don't feel so helpless. It also was something of a show of power. Like the entire New York congressional delegation showed up. I mean, mm-hmm. the governor was there. Both U.S. senators were there. The mayor was there. Um, there were a ton of government officials who showed up. Um, and that also is something, it kind of tells us something that like we actually have supporters. We have friends. Whether it really showed anybody else the same thing in a way that might deter further attacks, that I think is not clear at all. It depends on, you know, are you reading the New York Times coverage of it? Are you reading Jewish outlets coverage of it? That is really not clear. Um, And that was a question that was definitely in a lot of people's minds, which was, okay, we're marching. What's next? What are we actually going to do about this? Is there going to be any effect of this? And we hope so, but it's not clear yet. Was it well covered in the New York papers? Was it understood as a major event or was it some small item on page A15 or something like that? Um, I think at the times it was on like A16, but <laughs> but it had, you know, it was on the bottom of the, the front page. They like had that little, um, you know, the headline and like short blurb 
on the bottom of A1. And, and the New York Times did put out an editorial exhorting New, York, New Yorkers to go to the march, which is a huge statement. That was a pretty big statement. There was plenty of support, but the support, if it's being communicated to the people who would be carrying out these attacks, we don't know. You know, Shira, I want to ask you about something somewhat controversial, I suppose. Some people mentioned that there was really no accommodation for the Hasidic communities who have obviously been the most frequent targets of some of the violent anti-Semitism in the sense that there was no part of the march marked off for either just men or women, which from their perspective wouldn't allow them to come. So it's an interesting dilemma. The people who might be called the most obvious victims and for whom the march is most necessary were feeling excluded because their religious values weren't respected. And on the other hand, it's quite reasonable to say that separate spaces in public is inherently morally wrong and can't be accepted regardless of the cost. And if they're excluded, well, that's the price. What's your opinion about that? Uh, It's very complicated. (laughs) Um, I think that the, the organizations that organized the march certainly did make an effort to reach out to the Orthodox community. And I think some of the pushback um, that has said they didn't make enough of an effort is already yielding dividends. There's been efforts in the last couple of days um, on the part of those organizations to strengthen the ties with the Orthodox community. So there's that. I think that there's just an inherent issue here that we don't confront often because we don't often have to, which is that the Orthodox community, which is a huge part of the New York Jewish community, uh, I don't have the figures in front of me, but it's probably close to a quarter, if not more, um, at least among you know among children, those under 18, it's certainly over a quarter, I think, in New York City, that there are big cultural differences for much of the Orthodox community in New York City, not counting the modern Orthodox community, but much of the, the Orthodox community, a rally is simply not the response. If they were to gather... 25,000 people, they would have probably wanted it at the Sea Mashas the week before. Right. This was not really an event that they would have put on. Uh, they might have put on a prayer rally. They might have put on, they might have asked for more learning. And there's just a fundamental mismatch between what the non-Orthodox and Orthodox communities would do in response to tragedy. And I don't think that we've talked about that enough. I don't think that we've understood that the Orthodox and non-Orthodox look at anti-Semitism differently. And at the same time, I think that some of the criticism of this march for not accommodating the Orthodox enough has somewhat been overblown in that, yes, the Orthodox have been the primary victims of the attacks in the last couple of months, and that shouldn't be discounted at all. But anti-Semitism never cares completely about whether you are Orthodox or not. And you may not wear a black hat or a shaitel, but you are still, if you're a Jew in New York City, you still have every right to be nervous and I think it's it's okay for other parts of the Jewish community to also um, have events that sort of speak to them and not as directly to the Orthodox. I think it's okay for non-Orthodox Jews to also want to show solidarity in a way that makes sense to them. Well, I think, at least coming from outside being here in Israel, but it seems to me that on the surface, the reason that Orthodox Jews are being targeted, it's not some sort of anti-Orthodox thing per se, it's an anti-Jewish thing, but... Who do you identify as Jewish? Well, someone wearing a long coat and a black hat or a shaitel is more easily identified as Jewish. And accordingly, that's an easier target simply because you know that person is Jewish. So because of that, it's not an anti-Orthodox, but we're okay with a non-Orthodox Jew. It's more that I just didn't know that guy was Jewish, but I certainly know that that guy with the black hat in Borough Park is Jewish. That might be a large part of it, which might be why other Jews who are not Orthodox feel the sense of solidarity and want to join together because they're just as much a target. They just don't make it as obvious. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important to remember, too, that this event was organized very quickly in the wake of these attacks in New York City and surrounding area. 
But we're coming off of two years in which Jews in general have been feeling extremely on edge. Um, the first attack that hit Jews in this wave of anti-Semitism was on a conservative synagogue. Um, it wasn't on Orthodox Jews. And every single Jew, whether they appear obviously Jewish on site or not, um, has every right to feel concerned and to want to respond to that. Um, and I think that this march kind of reflected that, even if it might have fallen a little short on showing solidarity with Orthodox Jews. You mentioned, Shira, that there have been outreach attempts after the march in the few days that have taken place since then in order to bring people in. So do you think that this rise in anti-Semitism in general and the march as well have become a source of unity among the often divided Jewish community? Have the Orthodox and non-Orthodox populations come together in some way as a result of this? I'm not sure that there's necessarily more unity. There might be a stronger feeling of solidarity. And yes, we are all one people that we may disagree very, very strongly on the things that are most important to us. I think that some of the outreach efforts have really been on, okay, how do we support each other? How do we share resources better? How do we make sure that um, our security procedures are consistent across the board and that there's not one community that is falling behind on security? I think that we're not any closer to coming to agreement on what we think is actually going on, you know, where we think anti-Semitism is coming from and what are the best ways to respond, those issues are clearly still unresolved. You could say maybe that that's evidence of the fact that things are not actually that bad, that, you know, if we were really desperate, we might be coming together more, but we're actually mostly okay. And so we still have the leisure to disagree so strongly. I don't see necessarily changing um, anytime soon. I think that the disagreements are very strong, and they come from really strongly held positions. And yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like that's going to change anytime soon. Okay, Shira. So let me conclude by asking you a question, which is probably unanswerable, because you already said that we don't really know what's causing it. If we don't know what's causing it, we can't really find solutions. But from Shira Hanno's position, from the way you look as a journalist at what's going on, what do you think we have to do more of or less of in order to combat the anti-Semitism that's taking place now? Hmm. Um... I think the most I can say is I, I think that we just need more information. I can make a plug for Jewish media and that I think that people should be supporting Jewish publications because the New York Times will cover anti-Semitism. Lots of outlets are going to cover anti-Semitism. But for the kind of reporting that we need to actually get to the bottom of this, I think that we do need to dedicated Jewish news sources that are fully committed to finding out as much as we can about this. Um, and I think that that's what we're all going to try to be doing in the next few months or years until this sorts itself out. Shira, this interview has been simultaneously depressing and hopeful because on the one hand, you're saying that we just don't have enough information. And I presume that the way you get more information is unfortunately via additional attacks or incidents that are anti-Semitic. So certainly we don't want that to happen. But without that happening, how are we supposed to know where to go or how to work towards reducing the anti-Semitism. On the other hand, there certainly is a hopeful aspect typified by the march, which is that people seem to be noticing anti-Semitism and acknowledging its reality now somewhat more so than they did in the past. Even after the Tree of Life shooting in October 2018, I still felt that the vast majority of anti-Semitic incidents were on the back page. So while they may not be on the front pages quite yet, they at least are on page A16 instead of page A32. Perhaps that's something. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there have to be more incidents for us to get more information. There is a lot of information that we just don't have about things that have already happened, meaning 
the NYPD hasn't released, you know, tons and tons of information about the incidents that have been happening in New York City. And that's been um, the subject of a lot of frustration for a lot of reporters. Uh, the Forward put out a piece yesterday saying that the NYPD has not responded to several FOIL requests, freedom of information requests. And that's a problem. We need more information. And um, part of that is just releasing information that city agencies have or that others have that haven't yet seen the light of day. Well, Shira, certainly you and other journalists like you stand at the forefront and are in some ways the heroes of this story, making sure that the information that's available is conveyed to the public and also to try and find that additional information to help do what we can to reduce anti-Semitism as much as is possible. Shira Hanau of The Jewish Week, thank you very much for joining me today on The Orthodox Conundrum. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. Please visit the Jewish Coffee House website at jewishcoffeehouse.com, which has been updated and looks better than ever. You'll find some terrific podcasts there, along with my blog, and the opportunity to support Jewish Coffee House on Patreon, where you can get bonus podcasts like Ask the Rabbis, merch, and more. Follow me on Twitter. My handle is at jewishcoffeeh, and like the Jewish Coffee House Facebook page. See you next time. I'm Scott Kahn on the Orthodox Conundrum on jewishcoffeehouse.com.